Hi, this is Oren. If you find these teachings useful and you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me online at orenjsofer.com or on social media at orenjsofer. Thanks so much. Good morning. I hope you had a good night's rest. I wanted to thank my colleagues for opening the retreat without me and thank all of you for um, just receiving the space so well. I'm really happy to be here. Um, I'm glad conditions allowed me to come and spend the time together practicing. Uh, since I didn't have a chance to like formally say hello at the opening, I'll take a moment to just do that right now. If we haven't met, my name is Oren. Uh, I grew up in Jersey about three and a half hours south of here in North Jersey. Uh, I started coming to IMS a um, few years after I began practicing uh, when I was in my early 20s. Um, and I, I, I did a couple retreats here, and then I came on staff as a cook in the kitchen. And uh, I worked in the kitchen for about two years, and then I lived uh, nearby, outside of Amherst, for another year, uh, participating in the community. Um, so IMS really feels like home to me in many in many ways, both the geography of the Northeast, since I grew up near here, um, and having spent so many years um, living and working and practicing here. So Jess uh, spoke beautifully last night about this quality of metta uh, and this retreat, the practice we're doing in Pali is called metta bhavana, metta meaning kindness, friendship, warmth, love, goodwill. Uh, Bhavana uh, means cultivation. It's the word the Buddha used for meditate often. And the literal translation is cultivation, like uh, cultivating the ground. And that's a very apt uh, metaphor for the way this practice works. We're tilling the soil of our own hearts and minds, creating the conditions for a very profound transformation within. So the quality of metta, this inclination towards kindness, um, doesn't mean that we block out the pain in the world or in our hearts. So, you know, Jess mentioned that analogy of putting on rose-colored glasses, which is sometimes used to mean that we're not seeing accurately, right? Um, That's not what we mean by metta. What Jess was referring to, I think, was more this sense of... um, how it changes our perspective when we attend to the goodness in our own hearts and others. That we start to have a more balanced perspective. We don't overlook the love that's present in the world. So Jess also talked about the metta as this natural instinct that's present in all of us. We were talking afterwards um, many, some of you know I'm also a new parent. We have a six-month-old uh, son at home. And you know my own experience as a father and that mothering instinct as it occurs for me in the male body to nourish, to protect. 
Um, so even though this is so natural and instinctual, of course it gets covered over, right? By the busyness in life, by our conditioning. Um, so metta practice in a way is about learning how to access and come back to that natural instinct more reliably and then how to maintain it as a presence in our lives. So while we might be able to say, connect with some kindness in a moment, are we able to really take it as a foundation? And so the way the practice is structured um, is using a formal technique or method, as many of you know, to give uh, some rails, some structure to this very innate quality so that we can develop it in a more rigorous and consistent way. So I want to talk, continue talking a little bit more just about the nature of the practice because for those of you who have um, done mostly mindfulness practice and vipassana, metta practice is fairly different technique. We're not just showing up and being present with whatever's arising. We are consciously intentionally shifting our mind state. And in mindfulness practice, the instruction is quite clearly to not do that, right? It's just meet what arises, be present, try to stay balanced, and then call call on other resources as needed. In metta practice, we're doing something different. So I'll talk a little bit more about it and then um, offer some framing for the instructions, and then we'll practice together. There are many ways to practice metta, as well as the other brahma-viharas. Metta is part of um, a series of four different qualities that the Buddha talked about that are innate to our heart. Uh, Kindness, compassion, mudita, which Jess mentioned last night, appreciative joy, celebration, feeling happy for others, and equanimity or balance. So there are many ways to practice each of these qualities. The technique that we'll be anchoring with on this retreat, particularly in these morning instruction periods, um, is done with the formal repetition of phrases and the use of an image or the felt sense of another being. This is a technique um, that was um, codified um, many hundreds of years after the Buddha lived based on some of the language we find in the early texts and the suttas. Some of the, the principles behind the practice, it's meant to be done in the easiest way possible. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> really, we can't bear repeating this enough. It's meant to be done in the easiest way possible. So let your body be comfortable. You don't have to, you know, tense up and sit through pain. Let your mind be comfortable as much as possible. We'll go through these different kind of categories of people or beings, those we're close with, those we don't know, those we have difficulty with. Within each category, start with someone who's easy. One of the analogies that's used in one of the commentaries is that metta develops uh, like a mountain stream flowing through the hills. So it flows from high, and then it fills one pool. And then when that pool becomes full, it naturally spills over and begins to trickle down to another pool. 
And that's the image that's used for these categories. We let our heart become full before moving on. The practice isn't about trying to produce a certain state. It's not about um, attaining something or feeling really warm fuzzies inside. That might happen sometimes, but it's not the point. So uh, you don't have to have a big experience, attain something. You don't have to get rid of anything in your mind. You don't have to forgive everyone in your life by Saturday. (laughs) The transformative power of the practice is in the sincerity of our intent. It's the aiming of the heart towards kindness that transforms us, not whether we feel something or not when we say the phrase. So it's that aiming of the heart and then the willingness to let go and begin again over and over and over. So the structure of the practice, we choose three or four simple phrases and we go through the categories. The phrases are the vehicle or the support for how we are paying attention. So just as we might use the breath or the body or sound as an anchor in mindfulness practice, as Don spoke about yesterday morning, in metta practice, we're using the phrases as our anchor coming back again and again. The spirit of the phrases is one of offering a gift or blessing. It's not a demand. It's not like, may you be happy by the time I get home because I can't deal with you anymore. (laughs) May you get your act together so that I don't have to deal with it. That's not metta. We call that attachment. Different from psychological attachment. Attachment is a translation of a Pali word, upadana, which Sharon likes to translate as control, which I think is a very apt translation. It's known as the, uh, the near miss or the decoy of metta. It seems like we're wishing well, but actually there's strings attached, right? So metta is this open-handed offering. It's like a blessing. It's not a prayer. It's not a mantra. It's not magical thinking. It's not like, if I do the phrases enough, you'll feel something. And after a treat, we're like, what were you doing on Monday at 4 o'clock? How did you feel? Dang, it didn't work. So we do the practice to transform our own heart, our own mind, to cultivate an inner atmosphere of goodwill. And that, of course has an effect on others. It transforms the way we move through the world. It transforms uh, the place from which we act and respond to life. So there are many ways to offer someone a gift. If we're thinking of these phrases as offering a gift, right? Um, We can offer a gift because we like someone and I want you to like me too, right? And it has that wanting something back. We can offer someone um, a gift because they have something I want. Maybe if I give you this, you'll give me that. We can offer someone a gift because we don't like them. This thing's going to drive them nuts. <laughs> Here you go. Enjoy. <laughs> we can offer someone a gift um, in a kind of performative way. 
Everyone, look at me. Look how generous I am. See me. Right? So the, one of the um, great powers of metta and the other Brahma-viharas is their unconditional quality, a sense of no strings attached. So one way to think about it is it's like when you say to somebody, happy birthday, or drive safely. There's an understanding that we can't control what's going to happen. It's the sincerity of our wish that matters. Right? It's not like you say, you know, anything can happen and you are getting older, but I hope you have a really good birthday. <laughs> Even though, right, it's like, no, just have a happy birthday. You just offer it. And the understanding that it's not up to us and that life includes pleasure and pain is embedded within the wish. That's equanimity. So when we say the phrase, may you be happy, may you be healthy, it's with that understanding that life isn't up to us and that we can't control what's happening for others. So we deepen our understanding of what the phrase is is as we do the practice. So we'll start today um, with uh, the category that's uh, sometimes known as the easy being. Start where it's easiest. Traditionally, in the texts, this is oneself. In modern society, we often have a complicated relationship with ourselves. The self can be a difficult person. Um, So often we start with what's known as the benefactor or the mentor. This is anyone for whom it's easy to feel a sense of warmth or kindness. When you think of them, you smile inside could be a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, uh, could be a niece or a nephew, could be a pet. We're looking for an uncomplicated relationship as much as possible, which is why generally not working with a spouse tend to, we have a lot of love for our partners or spouses, but there's history there. Um, also choosing someone who's alive, who's still living, so that the heart doesn't feel pulled into the grief of loss. It doesn't have to be the perfect person, right? Just where there's some ease in feeling kindness. And within that, and the offering of the phrases, all kinds of things will come up or can come up. So particularly if we're working with somebody that we admire or have a lot of respect for, it doesn't even need to be someone you've met, right? Like it could be um, a spiritual figure, the Dalai Lama, um, a teacher that you've never met but whose work you admire and have benefited from a lot. We can start to offer them metta and then think, well, gosh, they don't need my metta. Like, they're doing so great. It's interesting to see what comes up. Why do we assume that what we have to offer is so worthless? Why do we assume that we don't have something valuable in our heart? We've already talked about that, that near miss of wanting to change someone that can come up. We notice that. Um, when we offer metta to ourselves, a lot can come up. My first metta retreat here, I remember the very first evening just feeling like I can't do this. It's not, it's not okay for me to wish myself well. 
you know, I've done so much that's not um, wholesome. I felt really bad about myself. And I remember going to one of the teachers and saying, is it really okay to offer this to myself? You know, like, am I trying to erase or ignore all of the things I need to work on, all the parts of myself I don't like? There's room for all of this. It's all okay. As Jess mentioned last night, when we practice metta, sometimes it calls forth its opposite. It's known as a purification practice. So the practice isn't meant to be a struggle. It's not meant to be oppressive. You have options. Always remember that the, the kind of engine of the practice is this letting go and beginning again, whatever comes up. Can I just let it be and start over? If the phrases start to feel too mental or verbal um, or you need some rest, um, you can just let them go for a while. Just come back to your heart, to the sense of kindness as you know and understand it in your own life. And bring the phrases in as it feels appropriate. Uh, If something difficult comes up that's kind of taking over some memory or emotion, one option, again, is to just acknowledge it, thank you, and then come back to the phrases. We're not suppressing anything. We're not trying to make it go away. We're strengthening the capacity of choosing where we place our attention. Not now, later. Sometimes that's not possible. Whatever's coming up is too strong. And so then we can let the phrases go and come back to the simplicity of mindfulness practice, just being with the moment, returning to an anchor like the breath, or turning towards that difficulty with mindfulness, taking some time to be with it, to breathe with it, to explore it with the tools that you have until it settles enough that you can come back to the metta practice. Okay. So as far as the phrases go, um, we'll offer phrases here in the hall. There's a, a sign posted on the board with some suggested phrases. You can use the ones that we offer. You can make up your own. Uh, the idea with the phrases is that they should be simple and general enough that one, they're easy to remember, and two, they can apply to a range of beings. It's not like we're trying to find the perfect phrase for each person that's going to bring you up into thinking and make it harder to concentrate. The phrase is too long, we get lost in trying to remember it. So if you're new to metta practice, Experiment with some different phrases this morning. Aim to have settled on and chosen your phrases um, by the sit after lunch, sometime this afternoon. Okay. Find a pace and a rhythm that feels easeful for you. You don't get extra credit for repeating more phrases. It's not a race. As the mind settles, the phrases sometimes get simpler. Instead of, may you be deeply happy, it might just be deeply happy. Eventually, it might just be happy, safe, healthy. Sometimes the phrase falls away entirely and you're just staying with the intention or if there's a feeling present to the sensation and the feeling. 
you can be creative. Let it unfold naturally. Okay, so let's do some practice together. If you're not already, go ahead and sit comfortably. I just invite you to begin by feeling your body. Feel the places where your body touches the ground. Maybe take a few conscious breaths. You can anchor with sound if that feels more supportive. Go ahead and bring to mind uh, an image or a memory that feels comforting. So sitting in the sun on a warm day or leaning back in your favorite chair, soaking in a bath. Anything that evokes this sense of being at ease and relaxed in the present moment. just seeing that image and letting it nourish and relax your muscles, your heart. you like, you can place one hand over your heart. And just bringing to word, bringing to mind this word, metta, kindness, or whatever word is most meaningful and evocative for you, warmth, friendship, goodwill, love. How is it to just say that word silently? Resting your attention with the heart center there behind the sternum and the chest. Trusting the naturalness of this human inclination towards giving towards love. Trusting that your heart knows. And then in your own time, bringing to mind the image or the felt sense of an easy being, a benefactor, a mentor, 
someone that when you think of them, you smile inside. So if you can visualize them, see their face and your mind's eyes. They're happy. See their eyes smiling. If you're working more with the felt sense, remembering what it's like to be with this person or imagining that. And inviting this quality of goodwill to flow silently at first from your heart to theirs, just wishing well, feeling your care for them. beginning to offer the phrases, gathering your attention behind just one phrase at a time. May you be safe and protected. And we offer the phrase and connect, understanding the meaning. May you be deeply happy and peaceful. May you be healthy and strong. May you live with ease. May you be safe and protected. May you be deeply happy and peaceful. May you be healthy and strong. May you live with ease. So after a couple or a few rounds, sometimes you might take a pause and just leave some space, feel the heart. And then begin again. Finding a tone and a pace that feels easeful and pleasing. Holding their image in your mind's eye or the sense of them. Gathering your attention behind just one phrase at a time.
Sometimes it helps to say the person's name at the beginning of a series of phrases. Heighten the sense of connection. Whenever you notice that the mind has wandered, gently letting go and beginning again with a kind and friendly attitude. Wandering mind's completely natural. Of course, of course we forget. That's why we're here to remember. If you feel a strong connection with this being, you can stay with them. Or if you like, you can let their image fade and bring to mind another easy being. A person, a pet. Bring their image or sense to mind. Give you moments to just connect, to see them or sense them clearly. Feeling that unspoken, wordless connection in your heart. And then beginning to let the phrases flow from your heart to theirs, one at a time. May you be safe and protected. May you be deeply happy and peaceful. May you be healthy and strong. May you live this life with ease.
May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. Once again, you can stay with this person or being. Or if you like, you can let their image fade, just dissolving, and bring to mind a third easy being, a benefactor, a mentor. Could even just be a moment that you shared with someone or you felt the strength of their care, you felt supported and held by them. And come back to that moment and use that moment as a connection with this energy of a benefactor. Someone who cares for us, where it's easy to feel kindness. letting their image or sense become vivid and sharp in your mind's eye. Feeling the connection, perhaps saying their name silently. And then taking up the phrases Letting the words express the truth of kindness in your own heart.
finally, if you like, you can let that image fade, let that person go. Staying with the sense of kindness and offering it to yourself. May I be safe and protected. May I be deeply happy and peaceful. May I be healthy and strong. May I love myself unconditionally just as I am. Allowing yourself to be nourished, to receive this kindness. And if that feels too hard, if it feels far away, then you can think of one of their benefactors sending the phrases to you. So imagine that person or being saying those phrases and then you just receive, just let it in. We'll take a few minutes just to explore this together, offering the phrases to yourself or receiving them from someone else, starting where it's easy.
Okay. So uh, we have some time now. Um, if there are questions about the instructions, practice, um, the request would be that if you're not meeting with one of us, I'll say that the other way, if you're meeting with one of us in a small group this morning, to hang back. So let's leave some space for those who aren't going to meet with one of us in a small group to ask questions first. Um, I'll go over, before we leave, I'll go over the walking and what to do with the metta in walking. And I'll also review briefly, like, what am I doing today? (laughs) Right? So you, you have a clear sense of what we're inviting you to do and how we're asking you to spend the time over the course of the day. How'd it go? What questions do you have? Yeah, please. Sure, I'll repeat the question. Um, this person's asking, uh, could I speak a little, about, little bit about reconciling the idea or the teaching in Buddhism that there's no self with this idea of wishing well to someone or to ourselves? Yeah, I get it? Thank you. So um, I, I'd say there's two, two aspects of that that are important for me. Uh, one is... Um, the understanding that this practice works on the relative level of our lives. Right? There is this aspect of our lives that you know we have an identity, a personality, a history, you live at a certain address right? that has its own reality. And that's the level at which this practice works. It's saying, you know, this person... So embedded within that is the understanding that everything changes, that there's nothing solid about anything in the world. But instead of saying, you know, may the ever-changing, empty, psychophysical complex of energy known as Orin be happy and well. She's like, may I be happy? (laughs) Right? Um, The emphasis is on the kindness rather than on the May I be happy, right? So we're not like reinforcing, like it's it's the emphasis on the sincerity of the wish. And you may discover as the week unfolds that there are periods where that sense of the person or the being, whether it's yourself or someone else, actually gets quite thin and transparent. And it's really the kindness that comes to the fore. So there can be experiences and insights into the um, relative ephemeral nature of being through metta practice. Um, So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is through our practice, both of metta and of mindfulness, developing a deeper understanding of what's meant by anatta, this teaching on non-self. You know, a chair is mostly empty space. You know, you can take it apart and say which part's the chair. There's really nothing there. There's no chair. It's a functional relationship. And yet we can sit on it, right? So we develop a deeper understanding of what it means. And that understanding is then imbued within the practice. 
hope that helps. Thank you. What else? How many people felt sleepy during the practice? Yeah. How many people felt sort of agitated or restless, stirred up? Yeah. I think we heard you talked about that a little bit yesterday morning. So that'll continue throughout the week. This, these kind of um, swells and ebbs of energy in the mind, in the body. It'll start to settle out usually within a few days. Um, but just know that it's quite normal for a retreat to have things go up and down like that. And that's part of the practice to just learn how to modulate your attention and your energy in the practice. So if you're feeling sleepy, if you're feeling like you're drifting off, the phrases are getting muddled, um, some of the ways to work with that within the structure of the metta practice um, is to bring a little more energy to the phrase. So you could increase the pace of the phrases, you could increase the volume a little bit, not shouting at yourself, but, you know, um, try to sharpen the image of the person, the sense of them more clearly. And then all of the things that we may have covered yesterday of sitting up a little bit straighter, opening the eyes, even standing. If you're feeling agitated, restless, um, lean into the simplicity. So if your phrase is really long, lots of words, it's going to bring up more energy. So try to simplify the phrase, slow it down a little. Notice the tone of your voice in your mind. What would it be like to have that tone be a little bit more soothing and relaxed? So instead of, may you be happy, may you be healthy, May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. So using the inner voice to help kind of soothe and steady the energy in the mind and the body. And we're always balancing the sense of the calm, the steadiness and concentration, and the energy, the vitality in the mind and the body with the practice. Any other questions that you'd like to ask? And at this point, you know, if, even if you have a group, it seems like there's enough space. Anyone, feel free. Yeah, please. Um, yesterday afternoon we did a practice which was much like more like Vipassana, but matter. Mm-hmm. Like I was being very conscious of all the feeling. Um, and I guess that's what I'm more familiar with. So I... Right. Yep. And um, and when I've done it in the past, it sometimes feels a little. Even if you're trying to be kind, you're still sort of imposing something upon yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I feel real strength in the matter when Jeff was talking yesterday, and it was a real love and I mean, I can feel that it resonates with mm. very present, but sometimes it 
feels like there's an agitation because I'm kind of trying to make, yeah, trying to manifest something in myself. That yeah, maybe isn't there. Right. In that moment. Yeah. Even if it is in other moments. Sure, sure. I think I get the sense of it. I'll, I'll repeat or summarize what I heard um, for anyone who didn't hear and and for the recording. Um, so the question was. Yesterday afternoon, Jung offered a practice more of just being with what's arising in a kind way, and that that's how you're more familiar with practicing metta. And that um, this question of um, why not just trust what's arising and unfolding in consciousness, and that um, whatever's needed will become apparent, versus trying to impose something and think that you know what's best or what's needed in this moment. That's the first part. And the second part is, is there a certain, that sometimes you experience a certain tension in the formal uh, structure of the phrases and the practice um, that, again, is trying to um, impose or force or create something rather than just allowing it to emerge naturally when it's present. Am I getting it? Yeah. Great, great. Yeah, thank you. Um, Taking a moment to feel how that is for me and let, let my response come, organize. So there are different ways of practicing and different styles or methods have different strengths. Um, so the, the practice that, that Jung led yesterday, um, which I wasn't here for but have, have heard uh, from you and, and my colleagues, um, has its own power and beauty and benefit. And it's not that one's better or worse than the other. Uh, and there may be times in your life and even on this retreat, when that feels like it's what's needed. And trust that. Trust your wisdom with that. That said, there's a benefit to training the mind. To consciously and intentionally cultivating our access to kindness. Thomas Merton once said, um, I'm going to paraphrase it, I don't know if I'll get it exactly right. Um, Prayer and love are learned in the hour when the heart has turned to stone and love feels impossible. It's easy to feel kind when things are going our way and it arises naturally. Do we know how to come back to kindness when we're stressed, when we're tired, when we're agitated, when we're angry, when we couldn't be bothered. That's what this practice helps us do. To know so well that place inside that says, may you be well. I can't stand you right now. (laughs) But I wish you well. May I be well. I can't stand myself right now, but I love you. It takes practice to be able to do that. And so that's, that's the benefit of the training. The other piece there that I'm hearing and that I know from myself is like my mind, based on you know, all the social and historical factors of being in this body and this era and this country and so forth, like 
really conditioned to do things and do it well and get it right, you know? Straight A student, no, 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 all that. So for me in the practice, there's been a lot of work around that conditioning of doing. And there's a lot of doing in metta practice, or there can be. So it can bring that up, and then it can feel like, God, I'm, you know, this is exhausting. Why do I have to do so much? Can't I just relax and be with what's arising? One of the things that for some of us we learn through this practice is how to feel a sense of ease relaxation um, and effortlessness within a structure of doing, which is a profound skill for life. How to have a task but not get stressed out about it. How to have a list and not need to get to the end of it. Right? Just one phrase at a time. So the two can actually come together in a very beautiful way when the aim is the right aim, which is one phrase and connect. Sharon uses the analogy that she received from her teacher, Sayada Upandita, of um, eating broccoli. Some of you may have heard this. So um, if you just wave your fork around, you're not going to get much food. Right? And so that's like you're not actually like really connecting with the practice, doing the phrases, Okay. But if you take that fork and you stab it at the plate, the broccoli goes flying everywhere. You're also not going to get much food, right? So you take the fork and you aim it. You make contact with the broccoli and you push it in just the right amount to get that piece of broccoli and put it in your mouth. So there's that aim, just that, just this one piece, and then the connection, the contact, just the right amount of effort. And so that's, that's this balance that we bring to each phrase of, one phrase at a time, just connect and offer the phrase. I don't have to feel anything special. I don't have to be fireworks. Am I aware of what I'm doing and connected to the meaning? That's it. That's all you have to do. Okay, I think it's time to shift gears. Um, I'm going to make a few announcements, and then I'll give the last instructions on the walking and the rest of the day. So there are two ways that we um, communicate together on the retreat in terms of living in community and making sure everyone knows what what's needed um, for being here together this week. One is being here in the hall in the morning during these announcements. The other is the board uh, in the foyer. So um, please be sure to check that board at least once a day. Uh, the office might leave you a note about something. We might leave you a note about something, even if you didn't write to us. Okay, so just make sure you glance at that board at least once a day and see if there's anything you need to know that's up there. Um, we will continue our meetings in small groups with you today. Um, if you were not seen in a group yesterday or today, you will be tomorrow. We have one more day of groups, those of you who have asked. Uh, if you don't see your name on the board tonight, when the list goes up for tomorrow, then leave us a note. Something got mixed up. Uh, Jess's groups will meet not in the, in the big room, but in M208. So you go up the stairs, turn right, and it's the first room on your right. That's not the bathroom. Um, and again, with the groups, um, given the number of people that are here, 
it's, it's hard to rearrange things if you miss your group. So um, check the board, double check the board after this to, to see if you have a group today. Okay, and it helps us um, stay on schedule and manage the time well. I'm not sure if you've met uh, Nolita yet, if she's been introduced. Yeah, okay, great. So um, our colleague Nolita uh, is here. She's a full teacher in her own right, um, teaches retreats uh, here in South Africa. Um, and on this retreat, she's in this role of support and assisting. Uh, so Nolita will be joining Dawn for Dawn's groups today. Um, so if you're in a group with Dawn, Nolita will be there observing. And then a couple things about the day today. Um, this afternoon at the 3.30 sit, the guided meditation, um, Sharon will be joining us remotely. So she's uh, offered to lead a session uh, once this week. So it'll be a nice treat to spend some time with her. Don't miss that. Uh, and then this, af- this evening at 6.30 uh, is the first LGBTQAI plus uh, affinity group upstairs in M200. Uh, walking with metta, um, keep it simple. Uh, eyes are open. Um, helpful to choose a formal walking path, pacing back and forth. You don't have to do slow walking. Walk at a pace that feels comfortable and easy for your body. Um, it's the silent repetition of phrases. And Sharon tells the story of teaching metta um, out in California and Berkeley once, and they went out to do walking meditation. They come back in, any questions? And one person raises their hand and says, well, I saw this group of people, and I, I mustered up all the courage I could, and I went up to them and I said, may you be happy. <laughs> Fortunately, it was Berkeley, so not that big a deal, but um, silent in your own mind. Um, You don't have to particularly pay attention to the sensations of walking as we do in mindfulness. The focus, the anchor is still on the phrases. Um, We're lightly resting our attention on the phrases in the walking. It won't be as concentrated probably, particularly not this early in the week as in the sitting, and that's fine. You don't have to try to block anything out. Um, The phrases are like a touchstone for your awareness, staying in the present and bringing this flavor of care and kindness into each moment. Uh, It can help to just simplify it to one or two phrases. So you could even, you know, have it with the rhythm of your walking. May I be safe? May I be happy? May I be safe? May I be happy? Um, Some people like to just do metta for themselves with the walking. If you're wanting to work, stay with the benefactor. You could imagine them walking next next to you or they're in front of you at the end of the path and you're walking towards them. So experiment, do what works for you. Um, if somebody walks by, crosses your field of vision, it's fine to offer them a phrase of metta. Or if you see a bird or you know, a chipmunk, you can, you can be um, kind of flexible and easy with it and then just come back to the simplicity of offering it to yourself or the benefactor when that being or person leaves your field of vision. If it starts to feel complicated or confusing, it's fine to do mindful walking and just come back to the sensations of walking, ground, simple, and then bring the metta back in your own time. Uh, In between formal periods, you're walking to the bathroom, you're going to lunch, going back to your room, try to keep some aspect of the metta going. Whether it's just resting your attention with your heart 
and kind of keeping a connection with that orientation of kindness? What would it be like to serve yourself food with a spirit of kindness? To be to wait in line with the spirit of kindness? Or you can keep a phrase or a word going in your your mind. Safe, happy, safe, happy. Think about all the junk we spend our day thinking about. All of the meaningless dribble that goes through our minds, right? We're replacing that with something (laughs) a little bit healthier. So today, during the formal group practice, um, stay with the benefactor and or the self. Remember, start where it's easiest. So if it was really easier for you to offer metta for yourself in that practice we just did, then start with yourself and take that as your primary connection today. If it was easier to do it with the benefactor, then be with the benefactor. You can cycle through two or three benefactors in one sitting. I wouldn't go through them multiple times, so it's not like one person, the other person, and then again, one, two, and then again. That's going to make you restless. Okay, so spend, you know, a few minutes settling, spend part of the time with one being, then bring up the second being, then end with the third being. Okay, if lots of people are coming into your mind, it's fine, let it be, and then at the end of the sitting, bring them all in and offer metta to everyone for, for like, you know, 30 seconds or a minute. They feel like you're offering that connection. It can feel like nothing is happening. It can feel really boring. Just trust the practice. Even when it feels really empty and dry, something is happening. You are reconditioning your mind in a powerful way. Run the experiment, as our colleague Winnie Nazarko likes to say. And then at the end of the retreat, you can evaluate, was this useful? But give yourself to it. Remember this analogy of bhavana, of cultivating the ground, just steadily, patiently working with the heart and the mind one moment at a time. It's just one phrase. Let go and begin again when you forget. Okay, hope you have a good day. See you soon. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.